Epic Experiment Podcast, episode 80, and I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? And I am doing pretty good. Okay, so what's life, what's the weather like in Texas right now? Yesterday we had a couple of storms come through, nothing too bad. But right now when they get in there, ask, like, they... what? Go for it, what's the temperature like? Uh, right now it's actually 72, and that's in Fahrenheit. Wow, so like I'm pretty sure we may be warmer here right now, which is crazy. So up here in Canada, so 72 Fahrenheit is what? uh 22 celsius yeah we're right on par with you right now here yeah which is terrifying because it's october in canada which means like it's like winter is coming like there's not much like the fact that it's been this warm this weekend has been outrageous uh and it's been our thanksgiving weekend so we've all had time at home and eaten too much food and enjoyed the glorious sunshine <laughs> instead and in shirt sleeves and t-shirt and shorts instead of in like coats and things so it feels very i feel very strange lux i feel very very strange and all that i'm <laughs> like hoping normally i'm bundled up like all that i'm hoping is that, you, that you know how bad february was in a Furby this year i'm hoping that we don't have another next year well you know um i want to just go on a limb here and say like your february would have been like a like a cakewalk for for us but like i appreciate like February got dicey for you guys when your power went out and people got, you know, got, got, got stranded and stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, up here we dig out and we just go to work. This is how it goes. <laughs> so, um, but yes, I appreciate you hope it doesn't happen again because uh, things, got, things got dicey there for a little while. Um, all right. So, uh, we're also joined on the line tonight by a guest. Please welcome and joining, uh, welcome Efren and joining us tonight. Efren, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Love to have you on. Love to have you on. So, Efren, if you could help our audience out, because they may not recognize who you are or where your name is from. Um, so, what do you do in the MTG community? Uh, how would you sort of sum up what you do? Uh, and what do you play? Uh, well, I can uh, pretty much guarantee that uh, no one knows <laughs> who I am. I don't have personally a large following. Um, I used to have a, a, a pack opening channel on uh, YouTube a while ago, back when I had time to do that kind of thing, called Pack Rack Fever. And that's my handle on Twitter, but most people know my website, uh, Cardsphere, which is a trading website. Um, I pretty much just play Commander. I don't really have an interest in, in any other format. I, I've tried... I, well, I started in, in playing Standard back in uh, Return to Ravnica around that time, and yeah. rotation really ruined it for me. And then I tried again when Arena came out, and then the first rotation also ruined it for me. So I've just given up on anything but Commander. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, you've come to the right place. We are a Commander podcast, so we love to talk to other Commander players. Um, I can also appreciate that standard is difficult to keep up with. I, I was really invested in standard when Konza Tarkir came out, uh, and really enjoyed that standard environment. Uh, but ever since then, I've been struggled to keep tabs on it. Um, and I've have tried to play on, on arena and I, because I'm free to play, I, end I always end up like with one marginal deck and I can get as far 
I was like platinum and then I get stuck and I'm like, wow, this is miserable. Yeah. So as I get as I get clowned by the same top deck over and over again for the whole month. And then yeah. I lose some and then I lose ground at the end of the month and they reset the standings and I have to start again and I'm like, oh you know, you know, I'm I'm not really a free to play. I, I I would put some money into it and the experience is not that much different. It's such an uphill battle trying to trying to keep up with uh uh, any kind of meta game on on arena it's just especially well, with all the bands and everything but it, it yeah it's just even if you put a little bit of money in it it doesn't really help you really got to no, go all in no. or be really outstanding in draft to to be able to yeah succeed, you gotta be, yeah like you got to be you got to be a limited guru you got to be prepared to sink a pile of coin in it be sponsored by somebody who'll do it for you <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like oh Oh, just Joe Schmo, the average player, is going to struggle. So there we go. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so glad to hear that you play Commander and um, you came to the right place, then, my friend. All right, Lux, some some housekeeping time. Are you ready? Ready. Oh, I, did I just lose my connection? Hello? Back. Bots are recording. I don't know what All happened. Right. I don't know what happened. I hate my internet connection. All right. Okay. There we go. We'll have some housekeeping. I have some editing to do, and that's okay. Um, all right. So, folks, if you like all our content, you can find us all of our stuff over at thelotuscouncil.com. Uh, that is our home on the internet, and the podcast is uploaded there free each and every week. So you don't have to find us on any podcast apps. You can just go to thelotuscouncil.com. Uh, you can also find all the cool things that are going on at the Lotus Council in terms of box openings. Or they've got giveaways, and they've got gameplay, and they've got trade channels, and all sorts of cool stuff. So, and oh, and cool people. Don't forget the cool people. And Lux, how much does it cost to join the Lotus Council? I've forgotten. Nothing at all. It is 100% free. It is free, and it is fantastic. So, folks, uh, if you're out there and you like and you like value, and you like you like to get your value out of stuff, and, and you know it's not going to cost you any. Come and check them out. Come and be part of their Discord. It is well worth it. Lux and I will be there and, and tell people we sent you and they'll treat you good. So come on in. Come and see for yourself. You will not be sorry you did so. Um, so come and check out thelotuscouncil.com. Also, Lux, it is episode 80. And while it's been a little while to get here, uh, you know what we do at episode 80? Yep. What are we doing? We're giving away stuff. Yep. So I got a crinkly pack of MH2 here to give away, folks. So stick around to the end of the show for how we you can be entered to win this pack of MH2 right here. Oh, I can hear it. Oh, it's so fresh. I want to open it, but I can't. So there we go, folks. All right. So we're going to move on tonight. We'll see if we get to the number four. We may skip number four because it may be depending on timing. Um, so we're going to start tonight with looking at the list of the top 100. All right. Offering, okay, Offering, you there? I'm here. Okay, Lux, you there? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I don't know what's going on. This is not cool. No, All right. It's... This is very frustrating. And I don't know if it's on my end or if it's just something generally, because I know there was... Some report about solar flares and stuff that might be interfering with stuff. I don't know if that's in, it would be any bearing on this right now. I don't know. Anyway, okay, let's talk about uh, we hunt the list of 100 saltiest cards. 
that uh, EDH Rec posted, and we'll and I'll include the list in uh, in the show or the link in the show notes, everybody. But um, all right. So generally speaking, what was our opinion on this sort of list being even created? What do we think? <laughs> Is this something we need in our lives? I, I really like the idea oh. of it. Okay. But, but I don't think... <laughs> I don't think... You know, to I think that it's easy enough for the community in general to get angry about stuff, and this is just an easy, an easy, an easier way for them to do it, to, you know, put it mildly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Lux, what about you? And I'm not Maybe. really sure. Like, uh... I just I, I I tend to 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 be similar to uh, to to Efren here. I don't think the magic community really needs help in uh, finding ways to make other people miserable at playing the game. Uh, pe- plenty of people do it anyway without much trouble. Um, so you know I'm I don't think we need this to be perfectly honest. I know it's interesting and it gives us something to talk about here on the podcast, but I don't think this is this benefits the game particularly um and i think it's actually borderline hurtful so it, it sort of brings out all those salty cards that people have forgotten about and hopefully you, your playgroup may not have played but if you have people who peruse edh rec and let's be honest you're a commander player you probably at least sometimes check it out you know now you can find this yet once again uh that you know this this list of cards that you know, absolutely, you know, train wreck games. So, uh, and Lux, your your favorite card is right there. It's the, like, what, number seven on the list? Mmm, see it? Jockle hops. Lux, there's your card. There's your baby. So, um, no, I'm of the opinion this is lar- largely something that is, like, mostly hurtful, I, my, in my estimation. Um, but, it's out there. Alfred, what do you want to what do you want to jump in there and say? Um, I mean, you look at the list and you can understand why the cards are there and why people don't like them. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's not right. anything really surprising. So it's like you look at it and you see the cards that people are complaining about uh, already, in- including the card cards that I really like, which are the Walking Dead cards. I really actually like those. Really? And oh, yeah, I'm, I, listen, I, I'm a total casual. I I like that kind of thing. Um. But but really, it this I, I I do like the idea. I like I think it's fun to look at something like this and check out all the the most hated cards, and in a community that would be able to you know laugh at itself a little bit more than than ours. I would think this would be really cool, but. I can see this, especially on a on a site like EDH Rec, which is in a lot of people's minds like the authority on on Commander. Uh, how this eventually is going to spill over into Twitter and Reddit, and you know people are getting mad, and and uh, it'll be one of those days on in the community, you know, waiting through all the all the anger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot. It'll be a lot of people that get like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, all right, so let's go back and have a quick look. Are there any of these cards that surprised you guys that made the list or things that you sort of have you seen in the past that you thought would make the list? Without looking at this, I'm like, there isn't a lot here that really surprises me. 
Um, there's a few down further down near the bottom, um, but nothing you know near the top. Like I mean, if anybody's ever been stasis locked or winter orb or static orb, like you can understand why you hate those cards. Those are like those are one, two, three, like Bing, Bing, Bing. And then you get like some Vorinclex and like a lot of land destruction, uh, an Urza, which you know. People get bent over Urza because he's really good and really annoying and combos out and kills everybody. But, um, but I am a little surprised where Thassa's Oracle landed. I thought it'd be higher. Not gonna lie, because kind of think the card's garbage. Personally, don't like it. Yeah, I think, like, I think if that if that got of all everything on here, I think if. Thassa's Oracle got banned. It would be like the least surprising ban. I don't really know anyone that likes playing against it. No, I, I, I know CDH players and competitive combo players love it, but as like as a true casual, like like and like we are pretty casual here too. Like we're budget, we play budget decks. <laughs> this is the sort of card like we drives us crazy. Like it just drives us nuts because people jam it and they're like, "Yep, I'm just gonna." So much for letting you play magic we're just gonna beat you on this totally different like access and like yeah good luck trying to stop me like, yeah oh, whenever i've played against it is basically just the person it's just a, a mat just a matter of them finding the card and then and then winning with it so yeah that's more or less my experience too like they will find a way to, to dig it out of their deck and then they'll find a way to vomit their cards into their graveyard and thassa's oracle you and you're like oh that's that's swell um, I mean, uh, some of these other cards don't really surprise me particularly. Until you get down, you're like, down, you're like, I'm surprised Ulamog appears as far down this list as it does. I wouldn't think Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger would show up at all. I think a lot of people just hate Eldrazi in general, or just hate, um, well, Ulamog doesn't even have Annihilator, but I think a lot of people hate Eldrazi. Um, I'm actually surprised at all the hate that Dockside Extortionist gets. I I wow. have it in one deck, and I I play against it. I don't really mind it that much, but I guess some people abuse it. Oh, most certainly. Like uh, I've seen decks go do some ridiculous things where they can flicker it, and then yeah, it gets, yeah. It, gets it gets absurd. Like it's it just gets absurd. Um, and so yeah, no, I can understand Dockside um, for sure. Um, and some othering tide as well, you know, going down mm -hmm. on the list. Yeah, so I, it looks like every single Walking Dead card is on this list. No, the even the ones that never get played, like Michelle is on here, and it's in twenty-five decks. Glenn's the one that's, that's missing. Oh, Glenn is Glenn not on here? Okay. Yeah, no one cares about Glenn. <laughs> um, but the rest of them all appear, which is kind of funny. I mean, I think the one that really bothers me is Negan more than anything, mostly because I don't like the character Negan. But mm -hmm. anyway. That's just me. Um, a lot of these seem like just people just don't like win cons. Like Crater Hoof is on here, and I don't, I don't, I've never had a problem with somebody. No, Crater Hoof. Well, no, but because they win if they if they've won. Yeah, it's like a win con. I mean, there's got to be win cons. And the and the game yeah. ends on the game ends on a spot. Like, come on, like that's about as fair a way as you're gonna win as you're gonna as you're gonna find. Yeah. Like, um. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't like Torment of Hellfire particularly myself. I find it, it's just a frustrating card to play because it's 
really requires so little of you for it to be good. Um, <laughs> you just need to you need to put a lot of lands into play for it to be good. Yeah. And then you win. You beat the table because that's like at least with Crater Hoof, you would have had to develop the board, made creatures, go wide, then slam your Crater Hoof for it to for it to win, and then you still have to go to combat. Where there are lots of ways where combat can go sideways. Yeah. Where Torment of Hellfire, like you just need a lot of land, and Torment of Hellfire, and game over. So, I have a slight problem with that one. Um, I mean, I thought I, but I mean, I don't think I don't think it's salty, but I mean, I can understand why it appears. Um, Sire Insanity, I also get like why people don't like it because it just makes you pitch your hand over and over again, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> like. Yeah, I feel like opposition agent being on here is is just like residual hate for the card when it was spoiled because I remember a lot of people were um you know, saying that this kind of design was not going to be good and I don't remember ever playing against it and being that upset about it. Yeah, I think the issue here is that the way it's templated and the fact that it says target permanent instead of target non-land permanent. Yeah. Uh, the fact you could take someone's guy's cradle or their like or steal their land and then blink it and yeah. steal all their land repeatedly, I think that's really why it gets salt. Um, but fundamentally, playing it as a fair card, like it's seven mana for a for a control magic effect, which you know is reasonable. As it's, a, it's, a, it's a, the rate is not unreasonable, and so and nor do I think the the ability is particularly outrageous. But well, what do that, you think about Void Winnower being on here? Um, I just think people don't like like effects that prevent them from playing their things. Um, so I against it like once or twice, and I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of fun. I, I like when stuff like that happens. That makes me change up what I was about to do. Um, I don't mind it particularly, although it can be frustrating to try and remove because you know you can't. There are many things you can't fire at it because they are even converted mana costs. So. But no, fundamentally, I don't have a problem with with Void Winnower. Um, I think it's. I don't think it's outrageous. I think it, you know, is just fine. Um, no, no. I mean, I think, I think a lot. Like once you get further down the list, I think I, I'm, there's cards that I'm like, I'm a little bit surprised they made the list generally. But um, I don't know. Like I am surprised Michonne made the list really as being I know I mean it, uh, there are plenty of other cards that could have taken that spot same thing with Daryl those aren't even really good cards no and they're not even many decks and so okay I guess um yeah no anyway, it's interesting stuff and uh so I'm not sure what other cards I would see removed like or add in like in their place I wish like you know I kind of wish they had had the next 12 cards or whatever so we could sort of see what almost got me the top 100 but i don't know like are there anything that things that come to mind there lux that you would like to see uh make the salty list Uh, i don't know oh it looks like he's afk his he went uh orange oh weird oh oh no he's he'll be back oh there he goes so, okay. Lux, Lux, my friend. Well, like I was saying, like all the cards that I had put on there are already there. Yeah, I mean a lot of the ones are. I mean the salty, for sure. The saltiest things are there for sure. 
Um, I think the funniest thing, though, is that I've had a couple of people, they, this isn't the first time I've heard about this list, I've had a couple of people tell me that if the, it was up to them, they'd put cards like Atrada, the Silencer, on there. And yet, she doesn't deserve to be on there. They, As long as they, she doesn't have Indestructible, she doesn't have Hexproof, she could be easily destroyed or removed, or even countered. Well, I, I we we talked about Atrada last couple times or last time we were on together, the Lux, and I think whoever is in your playgroup and is moaning Atrada should be getting a steady dose of Atrada until they fit play enough target removal to to not die to it. Good yeah. lord! Because yeah, they, they, if the, you have two exile creatures with hit counters on them, they odds are that you need to do something about Atrada next time she hits the field. You just need to kill it. Like I think it's very simple. <laughs> I don't know what the like. What are we doing there? Like I'm like I'm surprised like Shouldred didn't make the list. Like Ginger Taxis and Vornclax did, but Shouldred didn't, which surprises me. Like just generally, like Michonne like is fine, but like why isn't that Shouldred? Same. <laughs> That's my thought at least. Like the other three of the other five freighters made it, but. And Urabrask is fine, but why did we not? Pl- why did not Shouldered make the list? Because people play Shouldered and people sack things to it all the time. Um, I think Mariner Clan Nel Toth drives people crazy. Frankly, I think all those experience counters commanders drive people crazy and would, would make this list in a heartbeat. Um, you know, some of the partner commanders would make this list. I like why was like, you know. Some of the why saying like, so I think there's lots of things that could make this list and I think probably are the next things on it if if this was extended but Alfred did you have anything that you that jumps off that you can come to mind as being something that you uh, would like to see added to the salty list here? Uh, no, not really. I, the really the only thing that bothers me in, in Magic is counter spells and they're pretty there are a lot of them on here already so yeah like, <laughs> yeah. like four city games anything that bothers me that much in, in Magic. Yeah, no. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say is that on the topic of cards that should be added, there's definitely one that I've encountered several times that definitely deserves to be on this list. Ever heard of Meddling Mage? Yeah. I Really? I mean, I don't ever have a problem with Meddling Mage. Do you? Well, well, like, how would you feel if someone, they hit the field, they get resolved, and they named your commander. Effectively, they saying that you are not allowed to play your commander anymore. Well, that's like Drannith, Drannith Magistrate. So, I mean, you just kill it. Time to kill that thing. Kill it dead. Yeah, but no thing. And it doesn't say that the card comes back into play, though. Oh, I suppose. I guess, yeah. That's annoying. Is it... So yeah, you just I... haven't been meddled with enough yet to hate meddling mage. Yeah, effectively, like if it hits the in the field, and your commander can easily be named, and it's gone. It's basically out of the game. That's pretty garbage, I'd say. I'm not. I don't like. It's only like it only costs white blue as well. So, all right, meddling mage. I'm gonna go look meddling mage. Meddling mage. Let's read this. This is the Chris Piccola card, right? Dude, that's not cool. So, 
Why is it not played more widely if it's only in it's only in 990 DAX? If it pretty much shuts off your commander, and if you can recur this stupid thing, what is the story here? Huh? I don't know. Like, why is this? Why is this not in every King Brago deck ever? Just blink this thing into oblivion and make people cry. What am I missing? Anyway, I don't know. I can understand. I mean, clearly, I can understand that. But like, yeah, like the hate. Like, why is this not being run more? Hmm. Interesting. Good question. All right. Let's move on though, because I think I spent enough time making myself develop rage at these such at these sorts of cards. So, segment two. Fair enough. We'll go on to some garbage or great. Yep. Garbage or great tonight is Enduring Angel, which we reviewed in our spoiler, or our previews there, uh, Lux. Let's have a quick read for the card. So two white, white, white for a 3-3 three, three flying double strike angel that says, you have hexproof. If your life total would be reduced to zero or less, instead transform Enduring Angel, and your life total becomes three. And if Enduring Angel didn't transform this way, you'll lose the game. Um, follow, and it can transform into an angelic enforcer. Uh, it's a star star creature angel flying. You have hexproof. Angelic enforcers' power and toughness are each equal to your life total. Whenever angelic enforcer attacks, double your life total. So, what do we think with angelic enforcer? Lux, do you want to give it a shot first? And honestly, they I'm not sure because it seems like it has a good payoff if you're able to transform it. But honestly, they, what are the hit. odds that they what are the odds that you're gonna have it on the field whenever and that condition is met? Yeah, therein lies the trouble. Efren, what do you think? I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that in order for this to be good uh, in Commander, especially, it would have to have Flash, right? But then 5 is pretty expensive for a Flash card in white. But other than that, it's if it's sitting on the board, I mean, everyone can see it coming. It gives you Hexproof, but it doesn't have Hexproof. It, 3 is not really that hard to remove. Um, yeah, I'm going to vote Garbage on this, just of my first impression. Yeah. Uh, I could almost tell you it's garbage like i don't i don't even want to accept it i'm like this is like that condition to flip it and the fact that you could have it on the battlefield and then like someone could give you a copy of it and then like if oh you can, yeah yeah like if they can give you a copy of it now they, now they've built in a way for it to not transform and then you die and lose the game like yep. it's got a it's got a, it's got an own self-destruct button i'm like i don't i'm out like this is like i realize that's a very convoluted way to lose the game but how much would it cost somebody to do it to you and just like giggle like really like you put you put your own lose condition in the deck like no thank you like i'm out like i know it's a mythic from the, like the most recent set but like i'm like come on no i'm out like this is this is garbage in the truest sense of the word i'm like too hard to flip, too hard to make to make use of in a meaningful way. Triple white in the mana pips too, like that's rough. Yeah. I don't know how many decks want to play like like that many white mana sources where you're like, yeah, just have 
triple white hanging out here just for fun like no like there's you can find way better things to cast for five mana than this so i'm out i think it's garbage i yep, can't garbage. say anything good about it garbage 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 yep. garbage all right bye enduring angel you went up <laughs> you've been sent off to the garbage pail bye all right segment three and this one's going to be sort of chunked up into two different parts their audience so we have some questions for efren and so efren some of it's going to be about efren's like role with card sphere which we i think we have talked about here on the podcast before because uh i do make use of it and have enjoyed it um but there's also a broader community uh broader community discussion that we're going to have a little later on the show so um bear with us as we uh we pick efren's brain about all sorts of things with the game in the game of magic so are you ready, Efren, to be on the hot seat? I'm ready. All right, let's start with Card Sphere. So, what exactly is Card Sphere? If, when you, if you talk to other Magic players who have no idea what Card Sphere is, what do you tell them? Uh, you know, we've been trying to come up with the perfect elevator pitch for Card Sphere uh, since, since it started. There's not, and this is part of Cardsphere's problem. It's not really an easy way to explain it. You know, it's really designed to be a a trading site where you can trade magic cards uh, without haggling, without hassling. Uh, You just, you know, there's the hardest part of trading is trying to find somebody who wants your card and they have the card you want. So it it eliminates that. It's a trading site at its at its heart, but really it's a it's a marketplace um, that's kind of reverse. I guess, you know, if if someone's familiar with with uh, if everyone if anyone remembers Puka Trade, it's basically like that, but with real money, with the real U.S. dollars. So it's a it's a website where you can trade your cards, uh, or you can just uh, send your cards out as a sale, and then just take the money instead of other cards and uh, in, in your PayPal. Yeah. And like I said, it's uh, that's not a great elevator pitch. But we we struggled to find one. So what I what I use it I I admit their audience I'm an active user so uh, I use cards here regularly I call it a peer to peer trading platform um, definitely and and from and leave it at that and people can ask more about it if they want but it, and I tell them like instead of getting imaginary points you get you get real currency that you can then use to cash out if you want to or you can use it in in the system to to get cards and since most of us who are players. Uh, are forever on the hunt for more cards uh it gets rolled back into the system um and mm-hmm. i'm sure you have some people who are looking to actively withdraw money from your system but uh i ain't one of them so yeah that and that's the thing that's what makes it so hard to describe is that you know when when it was being designed it was really like okay it's going to be this trading site and we're going to have a fee there to withdraw the money just so it you know we entice people to get cards instead of take the money out and Really, people like like any platform, magic or otherwise, people are just going to use it the way they want to use it. And we have a lot of people that just trade. We have tons of people who use it to do selling and then, you know, liquidate collections or just use it as their only. You know, we have some businesses, LLCs that operate entirely on Cardsphere, just selling and, right. and, and cashing out. And then we have people that are the opposite and they just run buy lists. They yeah. put up a huge a list of cards they're buying at all times and then they take those cards and they sell them on other platforms and then they fund their account more and buy more cards and yeah. they make their money that way so um you know it's really used in different ways by different people 
Absolutely. I've met many, many, many players who are out there and using it as a buy list, and I think that's hilarious. I'm like, I'm the guy who sends them the cards for their buy list. I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I go pick a pack stack of, of dirty commons and like, let's go through and send you some commons. Mm-hmm. So if you, it, I always enjoy looking at the, uh, like the stats, like when I see my, what my, in my profile, like how many cards I've sent out and then how many yeah. cards I've received back. And it, there's no doubt that I send far more bulk out than I ever received back. I think I have sent over 1,300 cards out, and I have had received 75 back. So, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> so I, I very, very much clearly use it to, uh, uh, to fill people's buy lists. So Yeah, people love sending out their draft chaff or their low-value cards. We have some users that will send you a single... 20 cent card if you have it on your list you know they they yep they do it as a hobby and i guess they get discounted posters i'm not really sure how um but you know people really like to grind value out of out of bulk yes uh i'm i'm like that i can tell you i'm that guy who will send like one bad trade for not a lot of points uh or not a lot of or or, or currency because I, I am still also an active puka trade user too so i do both um, and I look at it this way. I'm like, look, there's a, there's a, there's a real cost in storing all these cards yeah. and finding ways to move like draft bulk, uh, and draft chaff is tough. There are only so many ways you can do that. And card sphere and, and is actually a pretty decent way to help you move stuff on and then turn it into the cards you do want. So, I mean, I've got. On my, I've got someone who's sending me Garrett Cursed Huntsman and uh, a Gol- Golgari Grave Troll for decks that I'm looking to build. So, yeah. you know, I turned, you know, a, p- a stack of going to play into car- a couple of cards I will. So I'm okay with it. You at the end, send a couple of higher value cards and turn it into a whole like commander deck. So technically, I'm trading down, but. To me, having a whole deck that deal our cards that are just going to sit in a binder, I'm never going to play with. So I Fair do the, the opposite. Fair enough. Forty dollars card to, to, to fund a deck. When I send that out, I'm I'm only paying the one percent on that. I'm, I don't pay, you know, on other websites. You pay fifteen percent or or around there, um, to sell a card. And on Cardsphere, as long as you don't withdraw the money, you're only paying the one percent. So if you're just gonna take cards that you have, and you don't want, and you want to turn them into cards you want, uh, there's really not a better way to do it. Um. And as far and if you just want to buy and you don't want to send the cards out, um, you can you can just deposit cash via via PayPal, and then you can get cards for for lower than any place else because our fees are lower. Uh, people tend to send cards uh, for lower than you would get them elsewhere, so cards tend to go for somewhere between 
a buy list price and a and like a TCG low, for example. They that's where most stuff tends to move. Yeah. And you can just go on there and say, okay, here's this deck that I want to build. I'm gonna deposit the money, but I'm only gonna offer, you know, like 70% of of the index price of all these cards, and see who you know, see who who's gonna send me the cards. That's what I do. I I put a whole deck on. I say I'm only paying 70% of it. And then what tends to happen is all the lower value cards come to me and then I, I start inching it up. Okay, I'm going to move it to 72, 73, 74 until my whole list is filled. And then I've saved a whole lot of money. So um, budget players, it's great for budget players. You set your own prices. And if you're going to trade your stuff away and turn one deck into another deck, you really keep a lot of the money for yourself that would otherwise go to fees on other platforms. Absolutely, I agree with everything you just said there. As again, as someone who uses the service, like you can do that. Um, I find that my preferred rate uh, that I'm prepared to 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 offer for cards is probably a little bit higher. Um, but because I curate my list of wants very carefully, um, I only want select things. Uh, I'm prepared to pay a little bit more to get them and entice people to send them to me. Uh, so that when I do have credit or not enough, you know, cash saved up, that I can. I can do that, mm-hmm. um, and so I usually find that my rate is somewhere around. I'm like probably around 85% or 90%, which is still less than retail, which is like which is yeah, still like about I like that. Like I don't mind paying 85 or 90% of the retail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the card, right? So, if if you're if you're if you're buying, you know, low value or mid value, you know, ten, you know, five to ten dollar cards or under. Uh, you know, most people are going to send those for a, a less percentage of index than like a fetch land or or a, yeah. or a commander staple. You know, they're going to you know, you're not going to be able to get them for for that low. But, you know, when you get into the 85 percent uh, area, then they'll send them to you. you yeah, know, it all depends on the value of the card. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does Carsphere seek to compete with services like TCG Player or Channel Fireball Marketplace? Um, or do you see cards here as being as operating in a very different sphere and a realm altogether? Um, we do. We do see them as as competitors. We're um, not a traditional marketplace, so it's not like a one to one comparison. But yeah, um, you know, we find that our users tend to use multiple services and not just CardSphere. So. Um, obviously we want to be able to compete with them and in, in what way we can, we're much smaller than both of them. You know, uh, we have about 38,000 users now, but you're talking about two websites that probably have hundreds of thousands of, of users, uh, by comparison. So, um, we do in what ways we can, and we're working on ways to be even more competitive with them. Um, but we absolutely do see every other marketplace as, as competition, uh, for us. Cool. Bucks, you're up. Okay, what do people tell you about why they don't use CardSphere? Um, I think the biggest the biggest reason people don't use CardSphere is because of the learning curve. Um, well, there's there's two reasons, right? There's a lot of a lot of times we have people who come on and it's it's part of the learning curve, and they just want to buy a card and they don't understand how to do it, right? They want to just come on and I have money, let me just buy something. And it doesn't work like that on, on CardSphere. The sellers initiate the trade, um, right? So that's really the, the our biggest hurdle is people don't understand uh, how to do that. And um, it's something that we're we're working on. Uh, 
we have only one developer, so development team uh, tends to come slow, especially for the last couple of years. Uh, Watsi has been uh, not making it easy for a small a group like us to keep up with everything they're doing. They're putting out a lot of products and a lot of different variants that we have to really, we had to really scramble and spend a lot of development time to handle. Um, so it got, it got a little bit stunted, but I think that really that is the the reason why people don't use Cardsphere more is that it, it's just difficult to understand if, if you don't, if someone doesn't explain it to you. Yeah, I can, I, I, I can agree. I had the same, same learning curve with Puka trade before and mm -hmm. having used Puka trade when it came to card sphere, I figured it out pretty quickly in terms of what I want, how I wanted to use a service. It took me a little while to uh, take the plunge and to get using it. But once I did, I'm like, ah, I see it. And so I can, I can relate to the, uh, the can, like, how do you make this work? Because I it, it, it does feel very different than going yeah. into your, your LGS, like, or your, or, or crystal commerce and, and opening up some like a, a store's online like catalog and just ordering what you want and have it all right. show show up in the mail. So it, show, and, it feels very yeah, different. And, and once people figure it out, then a lot of a lot of people tend to like it, and and some even prefer it. It has like um, and there's something about it that's that's exciting when you just get an email and and oh somebody's sending you a card and you open it up and say oh well, what card am I getting? What card am I getting? And you see that somebody's sending you the card that you wanted and you paid a great price for it. So once they get over that hurdle, um, they they tend to like it. But that's a real barrier that we found. Even like a couple of years ago, my wife wanted to get me some cards for for Christmas, and she tried to go on cards for and she couldn't figure it out. So she ended up just buying them, buying them from somewhere else. So it's a real <laughs> thing that we're aware of that we're working on yeah. a solution for. Uh, but I definitely think that that's a reason why people won't use it. There's an there's an education piece there too, right? You have yeah, to like okay. you, the like. I know initially, like I remember hearing an interview that 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 Ted did with Ted being one of the other guys who works on 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 cards here with you, who uh, I don't know which podcast it was it was a finance related podcast where he went on and uh, and basically talked up Cardsphere as as an alternative, and um, like it just the education piece behind it with even people who are financially savvy in the game of magic is uh is challenging right where yeah. you know they're very much rooted in their tcg player accounts or their, or their ebay platform or whatever and you know may, may not be prepared to look at this slightly different way of doing things so right um what is the most expensive card that's ever been traded on on the platform like do you know do you guys keep that sort of stat around somewhere we keep it on our landing page. We have the most valuable of the last 30 days, but I think that I don't know 100%. I think it might be. Um, I know a tabernacle was traded, I think that might be the most expensive. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. I know we've had some uh power, but not like a mox, uh, not like a, a black lotus or anything. I think. The tabernacle is probably the one, although it's gotten so high now that if I'm, you know, I'm looking at it now and it looks like, uh, we've had actually one, two, three, four, five, five tabernacles traded, but the last time it was traded it was only a thousand twenty nine dollars, and now everything's gotten so high that on the front page right now there's a flooded, a flooded strand foil, uh, you know, uh, OG foil that just traded for eleven oh two. So, I don't. I wish I knew off the top of my head, but I don't know exactly which is the. Uh, 
the highest price. That is so expensive. <laughs> flooded strand. That is so much money. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This yeah, this past year, the magic price has just gotten ridiculous. Well, like, like, yeah, like, there's been a lot, there's a lot to that, like, many contributing factors, but yeah, like, there's no doubt about it, like, the game has gone, like, at the upper end of the collector's sphere, has gone totally haywire, and consequently, yeah. consequently, everything else has seen a tick, an uptick in price, too, so it's kind of wild, Yeah, kind of wild, it uh, makes my wallet cry, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Uh, Lex, go for it. Do you have any tips and tricks for people just starting out? Um, the biggest the biggest tip that I can say is uh, to use the tutorials that we have on on the website. We have a lot of people that come in, and one of the most challenging things that we've uh, encountered since we started CardSphere is that people don't really read. <laughs> and ah, so, yeah. you know, we had all these typed out tutorials and then we said, let's make video tutorials. And then people don't watch those either. <laughs> they just, they join Cardsphere and then they go straight to Discord and say, how do I do this? Um, so if you're new and you want to get into it, um, on our website, if you click on Explore, there's all kinds of tutorials, both written and video. And they really explain all the ins and outs of the site and how it works and what to expect and how to set your offers and and really, really, the just how the trade flow works. Um, so if you if you take the time to watch those, you're really going to be uh, one step ahead of pretty much anyone else that that just joins. Really, a lot of people just skip right over them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I will agree. I've had some. I had to go back and look at some of the tutorials and learn quite a bit. So uh, yeah, they are very helpful, everybody. Um, go 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 and watch them. I will agree. That's a, that's an excellent tip. Um, let's move away from Cardsphere. I mean, we could talk, we could spend a lot more time delving into Cardsphere if we wanted to, and maybe we'll have you back another time to talk about it some more with us, Efren. Okay. Um, yeah. but I thought it'd be interesting because I, the reason I, what really drew me, my attention to you is you made an interesting tweet on Twitter about diversity in the game of magic. And I wanted to have you on to discuss some of that because I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, but let's get, just make sure we get the parameters sort of laid out. So. I think we would all come to the sort of basic agreement. There are a large number of white dudes who play the game, correct? There, there are, yes. yes. <laughs> like, un undeniable. No argument with that, yeah. Especially and, the most prominent fit, fit that category, yes. Yeah, so, and yeah, particularly the most prominent in terms of people who are content producers, content creators that are out there uh, in the game that are well-known. And I think since I returned to playing the game in 2012... Uh, there has been a movement afoot in the game of Magic to look to promote female players. And that has seen some success to the point where today there are a number of prominent female streamers and personalities uh, that are starting to emerge and have a good following and have proven that they can play at the highest levels of the game um, and, uh, and can have success in in our in our in our game which is terrific and i think it's a great start obviously um it, we're not done yet um and the game is richer for having their their, their involvement and of, of yet more young women and, and and entering the game um and i know as a teacher right so i always love to try and draw have young young girls young women come to play cards too and not just all the boys so 
um, I can really, I can, I can really speak to the, how important that is to having those female role models for those young women at my my gaming club that I have at my school um, coming into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we're done by a long shot because I think you're right when you 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 made this. I think you spoke directly to this idea that there aren't a lot of people of other backgrounds that appear in the, the sort of content creation sphere um th- that are promoting that are promoting our game so i think like the one that jumps out to me that i'm aware of at this point prominent is joe johnson who has um sort of come to prominence through the i hate your deck series uh that he he hosts with lynch uh you guys actually um sponsor if i'm not mistaken um, uh, we were their first sponsor yes very cool and so but joe johnson is somebody who uh is well he's he's not white he's he's an african-american and he's and he's come forward as a very prominent personality and 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 looks like he's and he seems like a really super dude to meet and play with and i'd love to love to get a chance to do that but um you're right they're right that the diversity seems to be lacking in that um in in other people of other backgrounds other than people who may be just generally white so i'm wondering from your perspective um how do we sort of broach this t- the subject subject of uh, diversity in the game and um, encourage these other uh, players from all sorts of backgrounds to take that leap of faith and and share and join the community in in a more uh, evident way and and to share what they what they know and what their what their experience is like because we'd love to hear about it. Um. This is kind of a, a a lot to unpack in that question. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, you know, really, the the way to uh, to sort of elevate them or make them more visible is is the same way. Just you know, uh, you all know as creators, uh, engagement is pretty much everything. So, um, you know, there are a lot a lot of uh, creators of all different uh, backgrounds uh, out there. Yes, and the way to do that is to you know, engage with them and support them. And, you know, you brought up, you know, so we'll, we'll go back to the tweet that I, that I tweeted out about, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, and I myself am Hispanic. Um, so last year, um, I actually had, I, I was on um, a, a podcast that no longer exists that was called uh, the Tid Street Hooligans uh, podcast, and they we used to be live on Twitch. Right. And... I went on there and I was and I was, you know, I would watch the show regularly. Cardsphere used to sponsor them and and they needed somebody one time and I went on there and and I and I said in jest, although it was true, I said in jest, my but when they introduced me, the first thing I said was don't adjust your sets. There's a brown man on Tin Street Hooligans and everybody said, Oh, you know. And it was in jest, but it was and I don't think that uh you know there was that was intentional. It was just, you know, the most prominent people are not are not people of color and magic. So when they're looking for guests, they look for the people who are most visible. Um, so the reason I bring that up is because some months later, uh, I had somebody reach out to me who is now part of different communities that I see all the time in Magic. And he must get tired of me telling the story because I tell it all the time. And he he reached out to me and said, you know, the reason I stuck around in Magic is because I, I happened to be in that chat with Tin Street Hooligans. And it was the first time I had seen a Hispanic person in Magic. And so I, I decided to stick around. And for me, that really changed my whole perspective on on 
on uh, on the role I could play in magic, right? So, um, you know, I don't think there's any other uh, websites or magic marketplaces that are owned by, you know, I'm one of the owners of Cardsphere that are, that are owned by minorities. And, and um, you know, this year during Hispanic Heritage Month, last year on a, on a video game podcast I listened to, they had a guest on that was Hispanic and they said, well, you know, we saw your tweet. He just tweeted just like I did. Uh, you know, I'm available. You know, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Let's, if you want some more diversity on your cast, uh, you know, I'm here. And they had him on. And I said, well, that's a cool idea. So why don't I do that this year? And then, you know, you reached out to me. So uh, I thank you for that. Um, but really, the, it's 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 engaging with uh, those people. Uh, it's, you know, doing the things that every creator says, retweeting, liking, and and suggesting them to other casts. Hey, have this person on, have that person on. And, you know, you brought up Joe Johnson. He's awesome. There's a lot of other creators. Um, you know, I myself um, uh, act as a uh, as an influencer manager at Cardsphere. We sponsor a lot of a lot of diverse people, both women and, and minorities. And, um, you know, it's it's really just about. About uh, looking for uh, people that aren't the most prominent in the community. And I did that naturally even before Cardsphere, just because. You know the biggest creators on in, in Magic and in any sphere, you never really get a lot of interaction out of them, and you know because they're so big and they have so many people constantly shouting at them. So I tend to gravitate towards the smaller or mid-sized creators um, that I can interact with and and feel like I'm part of a their community. So that's really a great way to do it, and really the only way to do it is just to boost them in, in any way you can. You know, it's not so much you know about joining their Patreon and giving them money, but you know, commenting on their on their stuff. You guys know as as content creators, and I know from when I, I used to make my YouTube channel, sometimes it feels like you're just shouting into the void and you're doing this for nobody but yourself. You don't get any any feedback and nobody likes or does anything. And it's you know, there are people out there that are are watching and appreciating and listening to what you're doing. It's just people don't always think to to interact. And that really uh is a good way to do it. There's so much truth to that where, you know, we're, 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 we're a small podcast. We admit as much, our, our audience is quite <clears throat> petite, but, uh, no, you're right. So the, yeah, you're like the whole game is to try and get people's eardrums and get to them, you know, and we don't have a video feed to go with. This is just us talking and hoping that people enjoy what we talk about. So absolutely. No, um, do you think there are actually do you think there are actually any structural barriers that hold players of different backgrounds back from being involved in a content creation and being more prominent in the community or do you think it's it's not so much a, a barrier as in so much as that there there's uh, a reluctance that on their part they feel like they're going to be shunned or rejected by the magic community as a whole I think there I think it's both so um when I made that that tweet, I had a couple people, and I was surprised. Say, uh, they told me, "Hey, I'm you know I'm glad you're in Magic. I tried to be a part of the community, and I felt unwanted. There was nobody looked like me, and nobody cared, and so I I gave up. And I'm glad that you're you're in that. And so that surprised me. Um, but you know there are real barriers, and I think one is the cost of the game. That's it's very expensive. Uh, to play both paper and arena, you know, and I was, I heard your last episode when you guys were talking about proxies and, you know, that's a, that's a symptom of the problem of just how expensive it is to play the game. Um, yeah. 
So that's an actual barrier. And then when you get into stuff like competitive magic, um, it's very clicky and uh, very uh, like an old boys club kind of thing. And, you know, those when you look at those, uh, you know, like you described earlier, there's a lot of a lot of white dudes in there. When you look at those people who are always on there, that's basically what you see. And they all help each other and they stay together as a tight knit group and they test with one another. And it makes really makes it really hard for anyone on the outside to break into that right and i think wizards tried their best with like their mythic invitational they they put people in there that that don't that you don't near normally see uh but you know the odds are stacked against them even if they're good players um yeah and i think for sure and and i don't know exactly how to tackle that problem how do you know how do you tell wizards hey uh make the game cheaper you know they're making it more expensive they're 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 doing 35 dollar boosters and and everything. I think that is actually a real, uh, a real barrier for a lot of people. You know, how is anyone that's that's lower income supposed to ever succeed when they can't even buy the game pieces? Yeah, that is that is definitely a, definitely a problem. I mean, I would argue to some degree that the game has never been more affordable in some respects because you have access to precons and to that's true, yes, uh, and to draft boosters, and you don't have to buy the expensive the expensive pieces you can play with the draft booster pieces you can play with uh, pre uh, more precons than ever before um and so th- in some respects i think wizards has done has tried to to address the the never ending push to uh make the game affordable but yet retain that collectability angle that people lo- know and love um because they, uh, that's where the you know the the genesis of the of the collector boosters and the set boosters and the secret layers comes from. It's like giving people some sort of cool collectible that they can grab to uh, gravitate to without costing them at the very basis the 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 lower end product that your young kids can get into. Like my son opened got a, got a birthday present from his from from my brother today. My my brother, my son turned six and he got a bundle and he was just stoked to get, you know, open up, you know, six or eight, 10 packs, whatever was in the bundle and just, and love it. Right. He was, and, and none, none of it's like, there's, it's all just non-foil regular border stuff, which is great. Like he's pumped. Right. And like, how do you get a kid or someone on a lower income to be, want to want to play the game? Well, that's how you do it. And so I, I I don't know. I'm not trying to defend Wizards here because I mean that you're right. Like the game, the the, pro- the proxy discussion last week, and the fact that you just told us the pe- the the pen, uh, Tabernacle Pendrel Vale just sold for like bananas money, um, you know, is just indicative of a problem where people the cost of the game is outrageous. Like there's like there's no doubt about it. It is. Yeah, it there's is- definitely a, a low. You know, I think Commander to just start playing is is the most accessible because they have some really good precons that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... And, and that I get. And I know not everybody needs to play with a tabernacle, but... <laughs> so you know, own tabernacle. Yeah, not everyone needs a tabernacle in the deck. But, you know, you know, it's it's so difficult because you say, um, well, you should be happy with your... You know, I know that's not what you're saying, but... Um, you know, just be happy playing with your precon, <laughs> you know, even if you can't afford to upgrade it and play with a different group of people that are playing with a higher uh, level deck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't pretty much 
people get precons and they start and they want to upgrade them, right? They want to get yeah. a better mana base. They can just stay like that forever. Uh, but, you know, there's to to really experience everything that magic has to offer, you know, you, you have to be the pieces of the game have to be accessible. And it makes it really difficult. I think that um, the set boosters and all that have done a good job of, of pushing down, you know, like those are really standard products. So it pushes down the price of most standard singles, although some are still pretty, pretty outrageous, but uh, yeah, kind of every uh, other format, like, you know, if you wanted to play modern, you know, people will oh, say, man. well, just build a cheap, uh, a burn deck burn and then deck. play that. Okay. But you want, you also want to win if you are competitive at all and you want to, you want to compete at all, even at a local level, you know, you need to be able yeah. to afford it. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's true. Like it's definitely an issue. And then, I don't know how you how you resolve it. I mean, it's yeah. I don't these, I don't. I don't have the answers. I, have an answer. <laughs> I just I, I mean, I don't think Wizards <laughs> has the answer. I mean, and they've got a whole giant marketing department there trying to figure out how to get more different people in the game, um, and and playing. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, point, there's a lot of diverse creators out there. You know, it, it, it it's hard because they're not visible. You just you know you got to seek them out. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to shill for Cardsphere, but. You know, if that's if you're interested in supporting those, you know, our, you know, we sponsor a lot of, you know, diverse people, uh, you know, of all backgrounds, and that it not wasn't by design. It wasn't until um, last year during the the George Floyd uh, protest that uh, one of our creators, whose name is Pixie Kitten, you know, she tweeted out. She goes, you know, she said, "Do you mind if I tweet this?" And and it was a, uh, and she said, you know, I'm glad that I'm sponsored by a company that was diverse before it was it was trendy and she listed all her creators and you know sure enough and you know i'm the one that signs all those people it's just people that i watch and that i enjoy uh yeah. and that i feel are are, are underappreciated and can do something for the community and just you know we didn't set out to say okay well we need to have a black person and a hispanic and a female and and this and that it's just how it happened and you know if if you make a little bit of effort to go out and look and then help support those people and lift them up then that's the way that we can we can change uh, what the face of magic is. That's that's excellent right there. I mean, I think that's a fantastic statement to make. Uh, I know I've appreciated the the sort of the, the variety that's afforded on the on the Cardsphere homepage and and seeing what new new stuff pops up there from different people. And I'm like that's I always I always appreciate it. So as but again, I I'm you're preaching to the choir here because I go check your cards I go check Cardsphere on a daily yeah, basis yeah. so I can I can see that the, the new things pop up. Um, on a different note, um, do you think the portrayal of certain real-world backgrounds through the game and the world that we've visited has caused a measure of reluctance for players of various backgrounds to take the challenge to be more visible? Um, I think, you know, like some of the stats we visit have been based on real-world environments here in, on Earth. And um, that, not not always done in a flattering way so to speak if you get my meaning yeah um do you think that you know if i i guess what i'm trying to say is like if you're somebody of a particular background or heritage and your background or heritage has been portrayed um through the game in a way that has been unflattering like do you think that makes it more challenging for them to want to invest invest themselves in being visible in magic I don't think that I don't think that the the desire to see a better representation for yourself is 
is tarnished by that. I think they probably are disappointed, but um, I know for me, me personally, uh, it wouldn't. I'm happy just to see, um, you know, I'm happy to see representation in in magic uh, for for my culture uh, when they do it. Now there hasn't been like I know if you if you listen to um, uh, Shivam, he he has a lot of complaints about uh, Kaladesh and yes, how offensive it was to him. So I don't have that experience. Um, I know that he was very frustrated with it, and he liked uh, some of the characters. Uh, but oh, I think he just said that basically it was just like uh, like nineteen uh, fifties Americana car culture, just with a with a slap of paint on it. Um, yeah, I think for some it would. Um, I know I know a lot of different uh, minority groups have have been frustrated with their portrayal on, on wizards uh, products. I think Wizards is trying. I think they're getting more diverse people in there, and then I think they'll get it right. Um, I guess we're going back to Kamigawa, so I guess we'll find out, we'll find out, right? Yeah, we're, we're, that, that, that I was gonna say like that was. I mean, the, the sets that jump off the table to me as being sets that like could have turned people off. Like there was definitely mm-hmm. some stuff with Kanza Tarkir, uh, and and the Tarkir world that could have um, been an issue to some 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 cultures. Uh, Ixalan in a different vein, uh, could have been very problematic, um, from the, from the, from some of the portrayals, um, the Kal- Kaladesh and then Kamigawa is going to be the other one here. That is going to be really interesting, um, to see how that going to, how that one gets portrayed. Um, hopefully it's done well, <laughs> bottom line. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Ixalan, they, they did a pretty good job. Um, I think... I mean, so the it was like a lot of Central American imagery in that, and then the settlers were all like the blood sucking vampires. So I think um, overall, I think they t- did a pretty good job, and and uh, there was a portrayal of of the you know of the you know the the Spanish that was not lost on on people. <laughs> so no, I think they did a pretty good job. I, I liked Ixalan a lot. It was. It was. I. I think like the. I think the portrayal of the colonizers was actually reasonably mm, tongue in cheek. Like well done. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Again, I just thought. Yeah. Some of the. Some of the. The imagery around the. Um. Particularly the humans. Um. And their. And their propensity for. Feathers and. Such was sure, a little yeah. bit. A little bit overdone. I mean, because I just conversely, if they were to put that in North in a North American setting and do something similar, I'm wondering if. They would have used the same sort of iconic yeah. like imagery, but anyway, I, so I can see, I can understand why people like sometimes flag it as being something where they're like not really comfortable with it. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't badly done. Like let's like I, yeah. I agree, but there was. Definitely I, I'm also. I mean, I, I can I can say tell you right off the bat, I'm one that's also not easily uh, upset about stuff like that if they don't yeah. get it exactly right. Now, you know, something like Kaladesh is from what I understand is not just not getting exactly right. It's like totally uh, missing the mark. But I remember yeah. when, um, when uh, not, not getting to magic, I remember when super Mario Odyssey came out on switch that he, you could get, you could put a sombrero and like a poncho on Mario. Oh God. And a lot of people were like, this is offensive. And I was like, Oh, this is like the, 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 I love it. Like I just, that was the only outfit that I wanted to wear in super Mario. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> uh, so I, I, you know, I like that kind of thing. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Everyone's got their different tastes, and I appreciate yeah. that. So, um, no, I just 
definitely Kamigawa is going to be one that's going to be interesting to watch and see how it's done. Um, yeah. I'm I'm going to be very excited. I'm I'm actually very excited for Kamigawa. I didn't get to play original Kamigawa, and oh, and so I've 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 seen and held People cards. And, remember it fondly. Pardon me. People seem to not remember it fondly. Everyone no, says it. Was just not no, that's sort of what I like, sort of come into. Like they, they they sort of poo pooed the set or the block as a whole as being kind of kind of bleh, and now to see it see us return to it with this is very modern world. It'll be kind of neat to say the least. Um, hopefully, it's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have any other thoughts on the uh, on the whole idea of diversity in magic? Is there anything else that like that you want to talk like to throw it to you here? Like sort of here's your open mic. What would you say? Is there or um, or is there more to be? Ha- Maybe that's another discussion for another day. Um, I don't have any uh, really kind of uh, any more thoughts than what I've said. I want to thank. Uh, you both for having me on. I put that tweet out, and I thought nobody was going to take me up on it, and and you guys did. I'm so thankful for it. Uh, um, I, I I'm someone who's um, who's mixed race. My mom is is white, and my dad is Hispanic, and I I lived in Southern California most for a part of my life, and then I'm now in South Texas. And when I moved down here, I did not speak any Spanish, and a lot of I was not accepted by a lot of uh, of Hispanics here by most Hispanics just because I didn't speak Spanish. So, uh, up until last year, um, I never really outward called myself any kind of uh, representation of the Hispanic community. And so this was my first time doing something like that. And I'm so grateful for, for you guys taking me up on, on this offer and having me on. I really appreciate it. Happy to do it. Um, we, like I said, we have enjoyed having a number of interesting guests on to provide fresh perspective on, on the game and generally, um, and people's experiences, because uh, I think Lux and I both come from a, a, a place where we are the majority. <laughs> I hate to say it, um, we are those white dudes that make content, and because uh, we love the game, and so. Um, but to have that other perspective brought into our world, I think only enriches our playing experience, uh, enriches what we do um, with uh, with the game and how we interact with it, and make us make us be a little more thoughtful about uh, about the game. Um, and as much as it is, is a game, it also represents people like real people. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think it's it's incumbent on us in this day and age to try and um, at least be mindful that there are different people coming from different places in this world that all share and enjoy this game. And we want the game to, you know, sort of reflect them back and in a, in a, in a way that is meaningful and, and uh, makes people feel valued and appreciated for what they offer us. So um, whether it's just enjoying the cards and, and, and what it shows in terms of like, you know, places and people and dress and, and and whatever else but also in terms of you know people are producing content of different sorts because i mean lux and i freely admit uh lux what are we we are green fanboys correct yep <laughs> only the beefiest boys big, only the beefiest green boys around here and sometimes and and if you ask lux it's all abzan all the time are you have you built nethroy yet lux and I'm getting ready to, and I think I have an idea of which route I want to go. I'm probably going to go with the graveyard in the strat. 
That sounds like Lux. I can't tell you how much I want to see this deck list because it's literally been probably since Nethroy was printed that you have wanted to build a Nethroy Abzan deck and you haven't done it yet. And I know you have a Nethroy because I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. I know that it wasn't like, Nethroy I... that you sent. What did I send you? And honestly, I don't remember, but I know that I got Nethroy from a Ikoria bundle. Oh well, lucky you! I got your your fiend your fiend hunter uh, your sorry, fiend artisan and a rot wolf sitting right here to send to you, my friend. Yeah, and they, Ooh, I guys, still need that... to I still need to send out your commence the end game. Sweet non factory cut cards, yes. Yep. Anyway, um, that'll be very cool. I can't wait for that one. I'll put that in the deck. We'll have to find a Twitch stream to play on Lux. Lux, have you got a camera yet? And I do, and. I have not set it up yet, though. You gotta do that, dude. We gotta get some games in, man. Oh. <laughs> anyway, all right. I we've been going quite a while here, so I think yeah. what we're gonna do is we're gonna skip brewing a deck this week, audience. I know, I know. Maybe we can get Lux to do like a Nethroid deck for next week's episode. Um, I'm building a Slogurk. Yeah, we're gonna have some slime time. But that'll be another time. So, um, so we'll move to uh, to signing off. Uh, but before that, before we sign off, I want to make sure we tell you how you can enter to win that delicious, delicious Modern Horizons two pack. So, uh, here's how you do it, folks. Like always, you are going to go to Twitter, and when I post the show, you need to like and retweet it, and use the hashtag hashtag expcast. Epic EXP cast. All right, so literally the show in with a hashtag. That way I can find you and put you in the draw. All right, because we love to have all the all sorts of winners and people put their names out. We put the 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 like the, the listener drive challenge out last time and we didn't get too far with that one. But uh, hopefully with this one we we'd love to give this one away and have somebody win uh, a pack of, of Modern Horizons too. So when the show goes live, you like it. You retweet it and use the hashtag, hashtag epic exp cast. All right. Um, you tonight is the 11th of October. So let's say the cutoff date is going to be the 29th, and we'll announce the winners on the on the on on the show for the 1st of November. That way we can start uh, November fresh, everybody. Uh, but yeah, so that's how we go with the show. All right. Um, that's going to wrap up this week's show. I want to reach out and say thank you to Efren very much for joining us on tonight's show. Efren, if people want to reach out to you on social media, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, best way to find me personally is on Twitter, probably at PackRackFever. Uh, that's my handle. Um, or if I'm pretty much in the Cardsphere Discord at all times of day. If you wanted to reach out to me there, you certainly can. Absolutely. We, and we will put Efren's um, Twitter handle into the show notes. So if anyone is interested, you guys can absolutely find him there. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, from you guys uh, out there in the great wide world. Um, so you guys can email us and you can always email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, the show note that will be in the show notes. You can click it if you want to send us an email. That's leave us suggestions or ideas or tell us about something that happened to you um, at a store where you or some some new content creator that you found that you really like. 
uh, we'd love to hear that because um, that'd be cool. We'd love to talk to them too. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter with something shorter, you can find us on Twitter. Our, our handle is the is at Epic EXP Cast. That's us. Uh, again, once again, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, if you like our decks that we brew for you guys, our, we try to keep things budget friendly at about $100 a deck. Uh, all our decks are on Moxfield. Uh, please look, use the, look for the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's all one word. Uh, and generally speaking, folks, if you want to leave a question, uh, like, follow, subscribe uh, on whatever social media platform or uh, p- uh, podcast application you follow us on. So whether it's Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, thelotuscouncil.com, or anything else, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get the support. We'd love to have people engage with us. Uh, next week, we'll be back at it. We'll be having talking some more. Uh, it won't be too long, and we're going to be looking at some Crimson Vow previews. I wonder if they're, I don't know if they're going to start next week or not, um, but you never know what's going to come trickling out down the old preview pipe um, at any given week these days. So, but until next week, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week.